You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 490. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue. Actually, we end our journey, at least for the time right. being, yeah. with the Prime Video series, The Peripheral, and it's been a wild because ride. Because it's not on HBO, we might be able to pick up another season. Yeah, so it's still, <laughs> I guess it's still early in the game. Amazon's not one of the quickest to renew shows, or at least to announce that they've been renewed. But, uh, I mean, this certainly played like a season that expects there to be more to come. Like, come on, Bezos. You could you could fund this thing with your freaking pocket Oh, change, my God. Man. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, now, one of the things that we've said in the past on, you know, a number of occasions is that you and I don't research what a particular episode means or what a particular character means. You know, we just use our knowledge, our experience, and, and, and make a go of it. What we do occasionally do is look up a character's name, how to spell it, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, what I did, though, this time was I just Googled the peripheral season finale review. And I just looked at the headlines. I, I didn't click on any of them. Too confusing to be satisfying. Yeah, I've read that one. Brilliant if you can actually understand it. <laughs> and it, it got me to thinking that, okay, yes, this is a challenging show, but right. it's not quantum. I, go with this. I mean, it's not quantum physics. Yeah. And I... Well, I mean, technically. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, I did see a, an interview with the creator, and I think it was Scott B. Smith. I, I could be wrong about that. But he was talking about that, that very idea that we want to challenge our audience. We hold our audience in high regard. We respect their intelligence. On the other hand, we don't want to get ridiculous about it and be so right. obtuse. So I feel as if the season finale and, and the season in general has certainly been challenging. I don't see anything in this episode finale or the season finale episode that's that hard to understand. You know, is everything clearly laid out for what it actually is or means? Well, no, of course not. But I think we can come up with some, you know, questions as to, well, does this mean this or does it mean that? Uh, and, and that's all we want in a show. I mean, I mean clearly, I think they've got a season two in mind and maybe even a season three um, mm -hmm. down the road. So, you know, too confusing to be satisfying. Well, do you have to have everything answered at the end of season one? Come on. Jeez. Good thing yeah. they didn't watch Lost. <laughs> yeah, good thing they didn't watch well they probably did actually that's probably why stuff like this frustrates them even more the the trauma of of season six is just <laughs> too much to bear i ah, see i set you up for that one that was like <laughs> all right well listen we're going to bypass what we're watching this week because i want to address that that really mean-spirited article that you sent me in facebook <laughs> messenger <laughs> all right about the it was in the Atlantic, man. That's a, I, that's a solid publication. It, it is. Actually, we get a subscription to that. I don't read it. Mary does. But it was about the 1968 Stanley Kubrick film, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And, you can call it a classic if you want. Well, I will concede that it is a classic. Well, and it is a film that we've brought up from time to time, usually not in 
very much detail, but I will say it was a really good article, and and, and I I'm really glad you sent it to me because it, it really did make me reconsider the film because I, I I think the the gist of the article was that yes this is a brilliant piece of art, but is it a good movie? And I think in retrospect, that's something I've got to question that, you know, yes, it's, is it a classic? Well, yeah, but I'm not sure exactly why. I mean, I am, but I'm starting to question why I feel it's a classic. Well, this is when I refer to the kid a paradox. Um, I don't know if you were in the Radiohead. You know, Radiohead came out with what I feel might be one of the greatest, if not the greatest rock and roll album of all time, in OK Computer. And they followed it up with this, what I feel is an unlistenable mismatch of cacophony. But everyone who heard it, all the critics, said it was amazing. And the best. And I swear, I have tried to list that album so many times, Dave, and I just can't. I just can't do it. I just, I just don't like it. I know part of it is my expectations where it would be like, okay, computer. It is absolutely the opposite. Well, not the opposite direction, absolutely, but very, very different from okay, computer. But what I finally thought is if you make things, if you are already accepted as a great artist, and you make something that no one understands, everyone's just going to call it a classic and have done with it and pretend that everyone likes it, but no one, like this guy here, is has the courage to stand up and say that the emperor is naked. And I believe with Kid A, the emperor is naked. I, that is also my fervent belief with 2001. I think what you just said is actually a good comment of it's probably a great piece of art, but it is not a good movie. Yeah. And, you know, I was really surprised when I read about the film's length because I always had the sense that, oh, this is like a three hour, 10 minute movie. And no, it was like two hours and 10 minutes. It was like two and a half hours. Oh, was it that long? Okay. It just felt yeah. like three and a half hours. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yes. And obviously, there's limited dialogue. I think it goes you know, the first 30 minutes with with no dialogue, which you could never get away with now. And I guess 1968, you could get away with it because of your audience's potential state of mind when they (laughs) went into the movie theater, you know, just saying. But yeah, I remember my uh, uh, psychology teacher in high school telling me how they used to get all boned up and then go and lie on the floor in the front of the theater and watch 2001. Yeah, so... Um, it was the 80s. Teachers were allowed to say stuff Oh, like my God. I that. can't even tell you in the 70s what one of my uh, teachers at... This was at, at Towson. I, I took in, in... I don't know if it was summer school or we had what was they called mini-mesters. So they were like one-week, six-hour-a-day classes. And, and I have a minor in psychology so it was like all right yeah i'll take this course called sexual counseling and it was basically like watching little mini porn movies for 
you know, three hours a day. And it's like, all right, well, on on Friday, uh, we're just we're just going to watch movies. So, you know, bring food if you want to, you know, bring some wine, beer. That's OK. Guy raises his hand. Um, Is it OK if we bring weed? And the teacher's like, well, you'll have to smoke it outside. But, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah times have changed a bit yeah a little bit so uh anyway if you have seen 2001 a space Odyssey, which which i suspect most of you have definitely check out the article i don't know the exact date but it's a fairly recent article in the well, Atlantic. I, can, I can put it up on on the uh on our facebook all right page cool cool but um but I, you know just the reason i sent it was because i always felt like kind of like a voice crying out in the desert and i i know like my opinion is not a popular one, and I get that, and I and I, I respect any, anyone who loves that movie. I completely respect it because taste is is subjective, right? But I've, I mean, I've, I've documented, I believe, on this podcast, well, the number of times I've I've tried to, and like about a year ago, I actually once again <clears throat> sat down and sat through the whole two plus hours of that movie once again in order searching to convince myself that this movie was actually good and i just couldn't do it so reading that article was just like it's just like talking to someone who got me you know like finally uh someone who who believes the same thing that i do about this movie i'm not the only one so yeah all right we'll talk about things that yeah, confusing, but not all that confusing, I don't think. And you know, we'll see how the discussion goes. But the peripheral season finale, episode eight, The Creation of a Thousand Forests, story by Scott B. Smith, teleplay by Scott B. Smith and Greg Plagiman, who wrote Fuck You and Eat Shit, which was episode 106, directed by Ulrich Riley, who directed episodes three, four, seven, and eight released December 2nd, 2022. So, um, you know, maybe one of those situations where we got more questions than answers, but we get some answers, but, you know, I kind of like, you know, that, that opening scene with, uh, you know, Flynn and Connor at Walter Reed in 2028. And, and of course we're trying to, you know, make sense of, well, what, what does that mean? And, and I guess it just sets the stage for you know this whole episode about second chances uh, as one of the themes and and of course in computer parlance we're we're using the term reboot but you know as he says uh no rebooting is what makes life so hard you know when we watch it the first time we don't really catch it right because we don't know what happens at the end but certainly the second time through that scene means a lot more because like, Oh, they're talking about reboots. Okay. All right. Now I, now I get why they, they have this, um, this scene in there because we don't, you know, we don't need to know that Connor is miserable and wishes like he were, you know, in a different body or a different world or something like that. You know, they've, they've played it out. I don't think they needed to really harp on that anymore, but, um, they did establish this concept of reboot, which obviously comes in play at the end. So. Right. Now, the obviously, we get a lot of more clarification about what's inside Flynn's head being the key to virtually everything and what choice she eventually makes is pretty mind-blowing. But 
I guess the, I, the, the one thing that I guess I would agree that maybe is a bit confusing is what's going on with all of the different timelines and the stubs or, you know, the branches. Right. And we get that one image when Flynn goes in to the stub portal and, you know, opens up a new stub. But just, again, talking out loud like we typically do just to make sure we've got everything straight, the original timeline is what we see in the future, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. The stub that we've been finding ourselves in, which is in 2032 at this point, is where we meet Flynn, Connor, Burton, you know, the whole Fisher clan. And that is a stub that apparently was opened, you know, circa 2022 or so. I mean, they talk about it was opened a decade earlier, so we don't necessarily get a firm date, but um, you know, roughly in the early 2020s. Okay. Yep. But now Flynn opens up a new stub. So I think one of the questions we have to ask is, is this an additional 2032 stub or does it overwrite the other one? I'm going with the standpoint that it's, it's a new one. The 2032 stub that we've found ourselves in for the first eight episodes started in 2022-ish. Yeah. This one starts in 2032 and is going to move forward. So that when we find ourselves in this new stub, one of my first questions is, well, how is she going to even know about Sharice and the future and, and the inspector and all that? Well, because it's going to, that, that's the point at which it starts and she has that knowledge. So am I right so well, far? See, well, that, that last bit is the bit that I'm confused about because they just say she's going to reboot, but they don't say, you know, like how, how, because there's a lot of things that have happened that brought her to where she is. Namely, uh, probably the biggest thing is like Sharice sending teams of assassins after her and, and Burton. Right. Right. So in a stub that Sharice doesn't know where she is, how like that doesn't happen, I assume. Like, so, I, I mean, the, the long and short is somehow we are led to believe that she dies in her world. In 2032, uh, in the 2032, 2032. stub, stub A, right. if you want. Right, right. Stub, whatever. Um, she finds another one that somehow she's able to find her way back to the future. We assume with the knowledge of, and also with the the data. Still in, in her, her head. Brain, right? Yeah. Which is like so so all that happens and you know we just see her kind of like enter her peripheral with low beer and low beer's like shall we get started or something like that right yeah so you know there's a we we're assuming it's flynn in that peripheral which is it's not necessarily right i think it is it probably is but we don't know she doesn't even say anything she just kind of has a little smirkish 
type thing going on. And and, and I will. I, I'm going to put this out there. I did read a couple of things just to try and get a, a grip on what the f I just watched. Uh, so, um, but I'm not borrowing. But I, I, you know, I will attribute that I did see someone had said that it could be Sharice in there, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't. I don't buy that. I think it is Flynn. Well, but we don't know. Well, well, here and we don't know how she got there, and we don't know what she went through in order to get herself there. You know, they just kind of and, and I don't know whether this bothers me or whether it's awesome. Like I'm still like kind of go back and forth. The fact that they just say I'm going to reset, and then she resets, and you know, we as the viewer, I'm sitting there saying, "But wait, how does you know? Like I want to know how did that happen? What did they do? How did they make this? Doesn't make." <clears throat> this doesn't make any sense, but the the show just says, "Boom, she's reset." Well, well, see, I think reboot and reset. Well, reboot. I mean, oh, but word. either one, I think they're actually inaccurate terms for what happens here, at least as I see it. In that she creates a new branch, she creates a new stub at the point she's at. At that point. At that point, she knows all about the future. She knows all about Charisse. She knows all about the inspector, Lev, and the Klept. And so at that point, that new stub begins in 2032. She has that knowledge. She has the data in her head, and we move forward. So Burton and Connor will have all of that knowledge as well when she connects with them in uh, Blanton. Is that what it, Yeah, I think that's the name of the town. Clint. So in the original 2032 stub, we presume that Connor does kill her. Yeah. I mean, we hear the gunshot, but again, right. no body, no, you know, whatever. Right. I mean, um, Fred speculates that, I think it was Fred, speculates that, well, maybe somebody shot Connor. You know, saw this sniper in the ground there. But I, but I feel as if this was the plan we see her counting back from 10 and and you know that was the plan and that in that stub which Sharice presumably is still able to track she can't track the new stub because Flynn crushes the stopwatch which you know I guess just deletes everything but we presume that Sharice because that was the plan that Sharice needs to think I'm dead. I'm no longer a threat. And so she's not going to nuke, you know, my entire state. Right. So now Connor and Flynn are going to find themselves, you know, in in that original timeline. Flynn shot by somebody. I I doubt whether Connor is going to admit that he did it, although it's not going to. I don't think it's going to take long for Burton to, you know, start piecing things together. He probably will dig the bullet out of, you know, where I'm getting it. He'll, he'll yeah. figure out that, okay, there's not too many snipers. But I'm just, I'm just like, just, I, I don't get, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I just, I'm not, you know, like how does new stub Flynn know what's been going on like how does she know because it's created at that very point at which she hits the little create a new stub button and so at that at the point she pushes that button 
Well, ah, she knows why okay. she's doing all it. All right, all right, all right. Okay, now I get you. Okay, so yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but okay. Well, then I guess it's just a matter of figuring out how to transfer the data from her brain to something else. Well, right, and, and you know that's obviously something she's going to have to work out with Inspector Lobier. Uh, and, and, or Sharice, uh, because then that becomes one of the, the fundamental questions of the end of the season is in whose hands is this information most dangerous? Because everybody's freaked out that we can't let the klept get it. Well, you know, Sharice and the, the research Institute haven't been doing up a bang up job with all that information either. Um, unless you, of course you find it comforting to know that they're controlling your every move but you know hey right or can yeah can force you to even you know beyond just like controlling you like through like advertisement or something like that they can literally you know make you do what they want you to do right right exactly so um i i think the thing that that's really kind of compelling and fascinating at the same time is when we get to that new stub next season presumably connor flynn and burton will all be there she will be able to explain to them what she's done and you know then they'll have to come to grips with the fact that oh you mean we're still existing in that other but you're not because connor shot you yeah that's it pretty much so, and you know, whether that becomes an issue or not, I, I don't know. I, I kind of doubt it. I, I feel like they're going to have to move forward, you know, on all of that, but who gets this data and, you know, it, it's one of those things where, where we get that great scene where Sharice and Flynn are in this game of cat and mouse and you know, Sharice thinks she has the upper hand until she realizes she doesn't. And, you know, the reason I don't think it's it's Sharice in, in Flynn's body, like you, you mentioned as a possibility, is that she is like, oh, F this, I'm screwed at this point. Right. So, you know, now, again, we've talked, okay, it's it's 2100. You're, you mean you're, you didn't save the information about how to rebuild the little stub well, creation no, I, room. I don't think it's a matter of her. I think they probably, obviously they, I would assume they still have sure. that information. It's just, if that information gets into the hands of the clep right. or of the, um, the neoprims neoprims. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. So I, you know, and, and, and of course when, when you look at that, that table, uh, you know, that, that shows the different branches and it looks like up in um, it's hard to tell. I mean, it looks like around yeah. that there's a stub that looks like it's 2053, maybe 2056. It's hard to tell. I, I looked at the TV and my computer and it was still difficult, but um, it, it looks like that that was opened around 2036 in the original timeline. So it looks, and then there's another branch that we can't see any dates or anything. So it looks like before Flynn opens this newest branch, that there are at least three stubs already in play. 
where I, I, I forget who said it, but I guess I was under the impression that, oh, no, this is the only stub they've got going, which – I mean, if well, I th- I thought the opposite. Like I thought, like Lev had said something. He dropped a number like eight thousand. Oh my God! Okay, then I really and, must but have I missed don't, it. That, the more as the show went on, I'm like, I'm not sure he was talking about stubs or that things they have going, like you know, pots they have on the stove boiling in the stubs. Okay, um, but I'm not sure, and I never went back to really check to you know clarify what he said, but. But, but yeah, I mean, well, this is confirmation. There's more than one stub open. Right? You're right. And and one of the questions I ask myself, well, does this mean no new stubs can be created? And I'm thinking, well, not necessarily because the inspector mentioned, I thought she said stub portals, plural. So while they might be able to still create new stubs, apparently they're not going to be able to track the one that Flynn just created because Flynn went in there because I'm thinking like, wait a minute, how does she know how to do all this? But the inspector has that knowledge. So as the inspector says, she didn't say I can't do it. She said, if I did it, it would start a war because of the, the, you know, the triumvirate that is in power that, you know, we've talked about. So I can't do it, but doesn't mean I can't tell you how to do it. So, we got to believe that the inspector knows that if Flynn crushes the stopwatch at the end, then that stub is not going to be able to be tracked by Sharice. Mm-hmm. Now the question is Flynn's not done with the future. Is she still somehow going to give up the coordinates uh, coordinates by taking these trips to the future. And I'm assuming, yeah, that's probably going to happen from a narrative perspective. So, but uh, anyway, well, we are like, you know, is she going to go to the future? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. She's, yeah. she's already done that, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, she wants to go back cause she wants to kill that bitch. Right. So, uh, <laughs> I think she wants to get Wilf a little bit. Too. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. I, you know, there are some great scenes in this one, but, but you know, l- let's talk about Clanton, North Carolina for a second, because, Tommy gets into his vehicle to call in the incident and it's pouring raining. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Wasn't it like sunshine when he went in? And I mean, it definitely wasn't pouring raining when he went in and ended up shooting the sheriff. And, and when is it pouring raining? When we see Tommy getting into his vehicle. No, no, it's sunshine. No, not sure. Okay. Here's what happens though. It's rain, and then it's no rain, and then it's rain again. So I'm wondering, uh, is this a continuity error? I doubt it. Or, or is this you know, different stubs? Yeah, different stub stuff. So now- I, I did not notice that at all. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. And the other thing is with Tommy's facial cuts, and Fred brings this up in his feedback, when he's calling, you know, he's he's in his vehicle, it's- pouring raining you know he's got the cuts all over his face and he calls it in and then when he i have to look into his notes but later on which really should only be either later that day or the next day or whatever he's got oh he meets with flynn he's got no cuts not one so Uh. so now you know are these the two different stubs that have been created you know we speculated and i probably gave it away because in the last week i mentioned watching the preview 
And in the preview, they, uh, deputy, we got a pulse. And, yeah. and he's like, but I mean, that's, like, I know, I know. Surprise. Right. You know. So, so we see that, that he's unconscious in a coma. I think, I think they say he, um, you know, Corbell's in a, in a coma. So I think, I think it's safe to say he's probably going to wake up at some point, but yeah, not the, they just killed him. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. What's the point? Of, right. Like, ah, he's got a pulse. Oh, he might make it. I don't know. He's not looking good. Right. Ah, he died. Yeah, but ah, man, what the hell was all this plot about in the first place? You know, some some poignant scenes. Some you know more so than others. But I really like this the scene with Flynn and her mother when her mother says, you know, when I was first diagnosed, you know, one of the first things that oh maybe not so bad that Flynn will finally get to live her life and you know it's really a poignant moment because you know mom feels somewhat guilty and in fact she says don't think i don't love you for what you've done and and she even mentions something about keeping the family together and and i at first i'm thinking like well you mean because she had a job well burton's making money by gaming so we do know that Mm-hmm. Right, so it's not as if he's not pulling his. Well, they had the three D printing uh, well, business down. Well, well, yeah, right. But I mean, even before that, you know, and and I don't know that mom knows that they've bought the three D printing. But again, at this point, mom knows everything else. So why would you not sure. tell her that? So, so that's not a a big idea. But dude, did you love the bar scene and then the resolution with uh, Jasper and his boys? <laughs> well, you know. I don't know if love oh, would be I loved the word, it. but I mean, certainly, I mean, Atticus, they, he, he, they, they put every reprehensible trait they can into this one character uh, so that, you know, when Jasper makes this decision, we're not 100% like, holy shit, Jasper, what on earth are you doing, right? Like we say, ah, you know, those, those freaking guys totally asked for that. And, and that, then distracts us from the fact that that Jasper just did something crazily out of character. Okay. You know, like they have gone to pains to portray him as like a a kind soul who really wouldn't hurt. I I believe Billy and at one point said how he wouldn't hurt a fly or something to that effect. And then all of a sudden – just because they ask him to go get, well, tell him, I guess, and and treat him like an underling, now all of a sudden he commits mass murder. Okay. So um, it just seems like a bit of a uncharacteristic action for Jasper, I guess I would say. Okay, and I certainly agree with that. I, I was a little surprised. You would think since Corbell is his uncle – that he would be the natural individual to follow, you know, and take control of the organization. I don't know about you, but uh, I wasn't feeling real comfortable about the leadership skills of those other two knuckleheads along with Atticus. I mean, not that Atticus is a a brain surgeon for sure. So so that's probably what is hurtful for Jasper. Like, really? Like you're going to, Take these two guys over me? Like, seriously? Well, here's what I I started thinking about that whole scene. And I agree with you. Uh, definitely uncharacteristic. And when he, he calls Billy Ann and he, he talks it out and, 
you know, that that was kind of a hurtful thing. Not kind of. It was a hurtful thing she said to him, uh, you know, coming home after the game on Monopoly that that he recounts. But as she said, hey, Monopoly can bring I, up worse than this. Man. Trust me. I know that um, <laughs> she says, I didn't mean it. I just wanted you to win for once. You deserve it. And and he's like, all right, I almost did something stupid. And, and, and then we go back to that scene I don't even remember what episode early in the season when Corbell brings all of the the biker hierarchy shows them all right, right here's your new vehicles why don't you get inside and he takes them all out and then he takes control of the operation and we assume that this was a similarly similarly outfitted vehicle um I, I never tried to break glass on a car with a rock but jasper wasn't having too much luck with it but regardless i i think it's analogous to that scene because now who's left all right well corbell's in a coma right in that scene was the first one when jasper was young that was corbell eliminating the competition right right and so yeah obviously now in a similar manner Probably, I don't know, more merciful or not than yeah. watching guys burn to death well, or, or asphyxiate. But, but still, um, it, it definitely is is meant to reflect back on, the, r- on that right. But then, previous scene. But then, take it another step further. What are we left with? We're left with Corbell Pickett in a coma. His nephew Jasper, who understands what the business is all about, does have a conscience. The sheriff is dead tommy by all accounts is the lead deputy so who then comes into power there so what i'm getting at is i wonder whether tommy will sit down with jasper and have this conversation because billy ann has a sense that they're traveling to the future and it doesn't seem like it's wigged her out or anything so i guess what i'm getting at is you know, to use a, a, a trite phrase, is there going to be a new sheriff in town? Well, there's literally going to be oh, a new right, sheriff. Right, right. But I guess, should we expect that if Jasper takes control, that he's suddenly going to say, oh, drugs are bad. I need to, uh, you know, shut down the business. And yeah, I don't see that happening. Don't see that happening because apparently he, well, he- And we've already seen Jasper is willing to- you know, compromise. Sure, you sure. Um, and he kind of, like, well, this is kind of classic him because he makes a spur-of-the-moment decision that he then regrets, which, again, then ties back to taking the money from Corbell a couple episodes, right? Right. He does something, he doesn't really think about it, and then it, as soon as he does it, he regrets Right. It. Billy Ann, the first thing she says is, well, what did he ask you to do? And he's like, uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Well, and, and that's another thing is that Jasper's been portrayed as kind of, kind of thick, right? Now he has layers, right? He's the only one of the four that knew what a triumvirate was. Yes. Um, though hats off to Atticus, even even with the Roman name, he he did know enough about Roman history to understand that there were times. But he probably just was awake in English class that one time when they were reading Julius Caesar or something. But. Yeah. Um, you mean you're not going to make the connection with him and are arguably the most uh, moral character in all of American literature? No, I I cannot. 
Regal. Not going to go there. I like his finch anymore, just because the uh, the the awful individuals in Harper Lee's family who published Ghost of the Watchmen, yeah. completely and utterly destroyed the character of Atticus Finch for me forever. So, yeah. so I'm glad that they've made some money on that, but they they completely ruined a literary icon. So, but with, here's the one thing, and Dave. I haven't said this. We haven't. We used to actually have a really, really section. Remember when we used to do that? I do. Kind of the nitpick. And I haven't done that. But, man, there were two times today that I had to write down, really? Really? Um, and the first is in this scene because, all right, so Jasper leaves the keys in the car. Why does the car lock? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, yeah, like that's something that does a, if he puts in drive, I get the, the locks automatically lock, but if the car is running and the keys are inside it, the car will not lock on its own. Jasper wouldn't have the ability to lock it because he didn't have the ability to unlock it. So that whole scene, I'm just like, why is the door locked? Like, you know, so I don't know. It's it's it is a minor nitpick, but yet a nitpick, right? That I hate when that happens because I'm like, it pulls me outside of what's going on, right? If I question something, like that, I'm like, ah, come on. Well, I'll say what you know. I mentioned to Mary when we're watching stuff. I said, well, it's like Wayne and I say, ah, I guess that's what they do in Europe. <laughs> I, I guess that's what cars do in 2032. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, true. Um, but. I mentioned earlier the the meeting between Flynn and Tommy, which is really just a matter of days, and now he's got no cuts whatsoever on his face. And he mentions that he's been contacted by Homeland Security about a terrorist group going to blow up the missile silo, and of course she knows exactly what this is, and he's like, do you know anything about this? Nope. And, and uh, I, Why would she not tell him? Well, you know, I, I feel... Well, I think the reason she wouldn't tell him is because, yeah, you know what? That's a good point. Why wouldn't she tell him? Because the, the, her plan is to have Connor execute her, essentially, which would then cause Sharice to back off her plan to, you know, level, you know, the entire state and, you know, who knows what. So, yeah, that's a good question. Why she, except I guess at this point, she's got so much going on. I don't have time to explain all of this to you at this point, Tommy. So, I mean, that's the only thing I guess that makes sense at this point. But, well, well I, I, I mean, again, it, because who knows, like, about the chronology of what we're seeing when it happens. Right. But, I mean, that she sees Tommy in the, the episode before she talks to Connor about her plan. But I don't know if that means those things happen necessarily before and after one another, you know? Okay. Well, you know, of all the things that I, I can't explain, and, and these are relatively low on the hierarchy, you know, to this point, it's my understanding that the Flynn Burton and Connor peripherals were created by lev well created by ash under right. lev's direction and right. and that they are stored there i understand when we see the scene where wilf is you know on a park bench and he's got the flynn peripheral with him even though she's not in it 
I guess he just wants to have it close by for the next time she pops in, which of course she does in that scene. So I, so I get that as well. What I don't understand is when Flynn confronts Ash, why would Ash have Flynn's peripheral unless she created a second Flynn peripheral, which I guess is possible, but not, not likely, I guess. So maybe I'm overthinking it. I mean, obviously the, the main point about that scene is she confronts Ash about everything that's going on and, and, you know, the learning that, well, Ash really already knew, uh, you know, about what's going on in her head. And as you pointed out a few episodes back, what's actually causing the seizures that, that Flynn experiences. And I guess it's at this point where it's, it's just facial expressions, but you start to see that Ash is she's almost not sure what side she should be on. And I don't think it's necessarily a case of, I want to be on the winning side, but I I do feel like Ash might have a shred of decency in her. I mean, you know, the whole thing, all I, all I want inspector is you to kill Lev. Why? Because he cut Ossian. Well, she said a breach of etiquette. Yeah, and which and they slicing someone's face is. Well, I, I get that, but you should not do that at dinner party. Well, I get that, but of all the things you could ask for, and it's almost no different than when the inspector says, "All right, this is the the part, Miss Fisher, where you make any demands you have." Yeah, heal my mother. Okay, I mean that's certainly within character for Flynn Fisher. Right. Uh, it seems like a relatively, I don't want to say a meager request, but you know, of all the things you could ask for, I guess, you know, of course that yeah. probably says more about me than it does about Flynn. Um, but anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause we all, I mean, we're, we're not surprised she asked to save her mother. Um, but you know, she could probably throw some other stuff on top of that, you know, like a one, like a Lamborghini. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it looks as if one of the fears is that the jackpot is going to be accelerated in the original 2032 stub. And I guess it would start with the explosion of the, the missile silo Right. and whatever else Sharice has up her sleeve. And and again, we have to assume she still has access to that stub, but not yes. not the one that, that Flynn not creates in this episode. Right. So, you know, whether or not she's going to feel the need to do that once she learns that somebody has taken out Flynn, and obviously the plan is for the inspector to tell Sharice, okay, I had my people take her out, so we're all good. Klept isn't going to get the information. You know, you're 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 safe. It's not going to get out to the general populace what you're doing. So all's good. And whether Sharice will believe that, well that's another story. Well be you know, Flynn told her what she was going to do, so why would Sharice believe that, you know? Well I mean she didn't tell her that she was going to have someone kill her, but she said I'm going to create a new stub. You're not going to be able to find me. So when all of a sudden she gets killed, 
you know, I don't think Sharice is the type of person that would take comfort in that. Well, I, I understand that, but are you okay? So then, as far as Sharice is concerned, she's got two Flynn Fishers, both of whom have the data in their heads. I can't find the one. I know where the other one is. If I know that she's dead, am I still going to take it out on her world, even though there's no reason to do that at this point? Yeah, but also there's no reason not to do it. Well, to her, it's it's like playing with Monopoly. Okay. You know? All right. Like it's not a real place to her. It doesn't matter. Like she could nuke it. Well, the well, the only thing is that what she does say is that they've got a lot of research tied up in that place. Right. Right. So nuking it would destroy a lot of work and a lot of research. So, you know, maybe she does spare it once Flynn dies. Okay. Um, you know, Sharice can stop Lev, she says, but at an unspeakable cost. And Ash even says, well, what's this drastic step? And, you know, okay, just like you alluded, well, it's going to alter conditions in the stub that's going to destroy decades of studies and research. Okay, fine. That's not unspeakable cost, or is it? I mean, is that just like what a businessman or businesswoman would say if they were like going to? Right, because we think as human beings, we think she would say, oh, all the lives that will be lost. But no, (laughs) she care two craps about that. She's worried about all the research and all the the money and time that they poured into this stuff would be just gone. Okay, and and that would be the unspeakable cost. I, yeah, I I guess. And see, I I guess I'm thinking about you know what you just said. If you or I refers to an unspeakable cost, we're we're really coping with a, a moral dilemma of you know, an infinite variety. So, um, yeah, anyway, so we don't get the idea that that's Charisse here. It's merely dollars and cents or, you know, whatever their monetary pounds yeah. and right. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Hey, how about, uh, Ash's middle name? What was it now? I forgot. Anathema. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What a cool middle name, man. Uh, man, I wish I'd go back in time and rename one of my daughters. Yeah. What was her first name? Marie. I think uh, it was something. It was something. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the anathema just like blurred me to all, all other names around here. So. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned Flynn returning to the future and finds herself with Wilf on a park bench. And, and like I said, I get why he's got her peripheral with him, you know, just for, you know, this sort of a situation. And, and Wilf, again, gives us a little bit more of his backstory, his relationship with Alita and when they were children and all of that. And finally, you know, they, they do the, uh, 2100 mind meld that, that she suggests. And, and, and again, if there was any question about shipping these two, yeah, all right. So yeah. it's, it's, well, I mean, that, I know. that ship sailing, right. It's reciprocal yeah, yeah. on both parts for, for the, right. for Wilf and, uh, I thought it was actually, I thought it was well done how they did that. I do too. It's like when two people declare that they're into each other. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's so cliche almost all the time, but this was just this nice sharing of, of like, not necessarily, I mean, obviously they both, you know, both of them think about the kiss. Right. 
But all the other memories they have are of different things that are really kind of nice, tender moments. Yeah, and it's like he, uh, I'm sorry, she asks the first three questions, and then she he says, Wilf Netherton. And I think one of the first images is, is just his face and that smile when they're on the street, uh, you know, I forget, episode two or three, whatever. It's just like... I don't, it was just such a radiant smile. And, and, you know, like you said, that's one of the images that comes to her mind about him. And, uh, you know, but obviously there's way more to this scene because, you know, after Flynn, you know, she's learned, you know, which index finger thumb, as you said, is like just waving hands and stuff happens. Um, Gets rid yeah, of. I would be like complete mess. Yeah, like God, ah, that's my car keys. Right. Yeah. Gets rid of all the people, and then you see this lone figure sitting on a bench, and and you know they go down there, and it's of course Child Alita, which you know we we know back from episode one that that was a peripheral. Um, you know, it was one of the okay. first things. At this point, though, Dave, I need to step in. Okay. With my second, really. Okay. Really, because like Flynn's like. Oh, where was that secret place you had? And he's like, oh, dang, nabbit. I should have thought of that. It's like, yeah, you should have effing thought. Come on, man. Well, okay. And, and I agree. But like he, like he's trying to find Alita, the one place he, just, he never thinks about going to their, their, their secret place forest that they had well you know come on well, man. well the other thing is and it's a it's a thematic idea that god i wish i could remember what character mentioned it uh, in the past it was probably alita adult alita but but the flag that they had as kids you know the, the hand with no thumb right. because alita always said our mankind's problems originated with the opposable thumb that that you know so so again Again, it made me think about that op- opening scene in 2001, A Space Odyssey, when sure. when the ape takes the bone and then, you know, later on uses the bone to, you know, kill one of the other in his group. You know, so, so we find out that what Alita wants to do is bring everything down. And Wolf's like, okay, with your little 10-person army, okay, what are you going to do, break a few windows? I don't think we should underestimate Alita for sure. So true, but she's going against, I mean, like well, the Clap, well, the Met and the RI. Yeah, but they've got all of the RI's information right at their disposal. Now, well, how they, they get it out? Well, have it. well, they got it in Flynn's head, so Right. It's like Han Solo says, I don't have it with me. <laughs> Right. But again, I think that's something we almost have to see in season two. They've got to get that data out of her head and then to what end. And, you know, by. Right. And is is the world that Alita imagines going to be any better than the one we have now? Well, yeah, true. And, and that's going to be the question. Or do we do what mankind has always done, which is just repeat its mistakes right and with because everyone's unless she's gonna go drastic and have everyone cut their thumbs off right, right. they're still gonna have those opposable thumbs yep. and, and stuff's gonna go down we're just gonna keep making the same mistakes just with yep. uh more powerful weapons and 
That actually kind of reminds me of this book I read a couple, I think I read it over COVID, um, called Sapiens, yeah. which is a really, really good book. And um, basically, it wasn't as down about humankind as Elite is, but kind of takes as his thesis that you know, Homo sapiens are pretty awful creatures yeah. from the start. So uh, I think uh, Alita either has read Sapiens or uh, yeah, or she she would she should definitely add to her reading list. All right. So then you know the final scene before we get to the post credit scene. And dude, you you know you you um, I'm glad you messaged me. I was getting ready to message you yesterday when I saw that, uh, and then I got sidetracked. But uh, well, it's probably. From watching the most horribly boring football uh, yeah, game. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. NFL history. Yep, yep, like, yep. Your brain was just screaming at the television for three hours. Yeah, so. I kept saying to Mary, you know what? I, I don't even care anymore. They're, they're yeah, terrible. I tried to say that too. Yeah, I, I know. Can't. But that final scene where Flynn's peripheral meets with Lobier in the future. And, and the future, you know, that's the main timeline. That's not going to change. So whenever we see Lobier and Charisse and Ash and Lev, uh, I mean, until... But that's if we're in the original timeline. Well... Like, there's a Lobier in the other stubs probably too, right? No, because they're in the past. They're in 2032. Yeah, but they're going to get to 2099 eventually. Well, yeah, but they're not there yet. So... Why would they not be? Well, because they're in 2032. Yeah, but it's 2099. Yeah, in the main timeline. Right. Well, eventually they'll get there, but for the- But wouldn't they hit, like, I mean, isn't 2032 the same all around everywhere? Well, no. Okay, there. there's, okay, there are, to our, to our knowledge, there have been three Flynn, Frisch, three Flynn Fishers. In the main timeline, she married Tommy, had two kids, and is long dead. Right? Yeah. In, right. in the stub stub A, she just had Connor kill her in hopes of saving, you know her original, you know her world there. And then we've got the new Flynn Fisher from the new twenty thirty two stub. As far as we know, all we've got the main timeline, which is the one in, that Flynn's long been dead in. Well, that's Low Beer and Lev and wilf and all of them so right but but what i'm saying is like when they make uh a, a change to the timeline it it doesn't happen now it happens back in you know like in 2032 if they that stub in 2032 became a stub in 2032 right which was 2032 for the main timeline low beer well. hasn't been born yet right but she will be well yeah eventually yeah. Okay. But I mean, she is because she's in. If she exists in the twenty thirty two timeline, she exists. Not yet. She hasn't been born yet. Yeah, she was born at the same time she was born in the main timeline. Because here's how we go. If you look at the table, right? Yeah. Like the the branches. Yeah. Like branch out off of the main timeline. At you know, it's not like the branches up in twenty uh, one hundred. And it says 2032 up there. The branch happens back in 2032. So I assume that time then commences the same. In other words, the, the stubs all proceed 
a, a long time at the same time as the main timeline does. Yeah, that's not how I read it. See, I mean, I, okay. I like the, in the main timeline where we're in 2100 now um, and Sharice. Oh, okay, for instance, it's 2100. The We know that she created a new stub around 2022, right? Right. So then that stub was created in 2090. But it branches off of the main timeline. Right. Back in 2022. Right. But it just picks up at 2022. And then continues all the and way then up continue- to 2099. Exactly. But it's not right. going to get there for 70 to- years or. But it would get there at the same time as the 2099 in the main. Oh, it's going to take 70 years. Yeah, but it starts back in 2022. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we the, the, here 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 is the 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 confusion of of the periphery. Brilliant if you can actually understand it. Yes, which I don't know if I, like I'm I just I don't know. I'm not sure how I don't know how the stubs work for sure like well so like we don't know. Well right. But I what I feel like is that all of these parallel universes are proceeding at the same time and in, in 20 to 2100 there's a low beer there there's a low beer in the of the other stubs as well provided she survived those stuff okay see i guess so we now and again this is one of those things that we don't have a definitive answer so this is just the way i so we perceive yeah. the way things work differently because the what i see is that you've got three time the the three timelines that are in you know our our little world of the peripheral tv show are what's been presented as the main timeline which is at this point is it 2100 and you know the characters of lev wilf lobier sharice the timeline and we've got two timelines that are in 2032 albeit one is slightly ahead of the other one right so right. well i mean you say right but I, I don't think that's right well no of course it is because flynn in one flynn's dead now assuming that yeah. connor shot her and in the other one she's alive and she right. has the knowledge of you know what's going on in the future yes okay so but it's still proceeding like she's not in like that timeline isn't concurrent with 2100 it's happening back in 2032 right they're all progressing at the same rate but they're starting at different points so the 2032 timeline either of the 2032 timelines is never going to catch up to the 2100 see that's where i disagree i think they totally have caught up okay unless the worlds were destroyed completely and utterly okay see i don't uh, because like here's 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 the thing um when uh what's her name uh, Grace okay. is showing Alita, uh, and we're you know what we're watching is when Connor gets blown up, and Grace is like, "You have to stop him," and she's like, "Well, this has already happened, right? Like, I can't stop it. This is history." So that to me indicates that, like, I I don't know. Okay, but, but we'll have to see. Yeah, but it it, it happened four years before our introduction to that 2032 stub, right? That happened in 2028. 
or yes, yeah, something. Like and four that. years elapsed, you know. So even even like the 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 you know the future we we when we started it was twenty ninety nine right and then I think a year elapsed and we it was twenty one hundred. Yes. So, I mean, I guess I, I I look at it like time is proceeding at the same rate in all of the timelines. It's just that they're all at different points, right? I mean, it's just yeah, and, and I think that. Time is proceeding at the same rate concurrently with all, all the timelines running concurrently, so that it's twenty twenty two in all existing stubs at that point. It's twenty thirty eight in all existing stubs, and now if the stubs make it to twenty one hundred, that all all the stubs that where the world is still in existence at that point are all concurrently happening. Well, I mean, eventually the 2032 stubs are going to get to 2100. I, I agree with that. It's just, and that there will be, you know, a low beer and a Charisse, presumably. It's just not now. I mean. Okay. Well, well I mean, like, there's just no way. At, at this point, there's absolutely no way to tell us. Unless I go back and try to find all these things like the rain and Tommy's cars. Right. Like all the times that there's stuff like that has happened, which I've completely missed. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's leave it there and talk about the post-credits scene. I'm not sure what to make of this scene. I, I mean, in retrospect, I, I guess now it's like, all right, well, which timeline is this even in? So, you know, is this, uh, you know, I don't even know. I don't know exactly what to make of it, except that, the Whoa. powers in the clept are telling Lev to clean up his mess. Okay. That, fair enough. He's made a mess of things, but beyond that, I'm not sure what to make of it. Well, I, I, I think it, it's just, whereas, you know, Lev was kind of on the same side as, uh, Wilf and um, and Flynn. Now he, I don't know, maybe even potentially, we could see a team up with him and the RI in order to eradicate the Fishers and all of and and the uh, and whatever he's done. Okay. So that's just kind of what I call it. Like now he's going to be completely antagonist mode okay and again we don't even necessarily know which stub this is which well well, well, well this is probably as well yeah right so or you know but anyway all right what else uh before we get into feedback well you know lev is supposed to be like ruthless okay right? okay and i think we had said this last week like why 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 is he even allowing Ash and Ossian to live? Like they were totally going behind his back. They're totally betraying him. And yeah, he just cuts Ossian, which again, if you know, I guess maybe in his mind that was kind of a gangster move. Um but he knows that they're betrayers. Right? He knows that that they're going to go against him and there we see it happen. Well, I guess their skill set. It would be the only well, thing. Well, yeah, I mean, their skill set. But, I mean, like, 
dude, you got to keep your own house. No, clean. I agree. Like, if you're going to be a ruthless criminal mastermind, like own that, man. You know, well, that's what they're telling them. Like, you know, kill them and let yep. let your kid help out. Yep. Come on, the kid wants to help kill people. Let him watch. Come on, Lev. So anyway, I am not entirely letting go of the DD is in on it theory, though I think it's pretty feeble theory, actually. But there was she just really, really wanted to be sure that Sheriff Jackman was dead. Okay. Like she asked Tommy like twice. I mean, maybe twice more. I think she might have asked him like three times altogether to make sure that he was dead. So, you know, what was that? And, and of course, you know, I've, I've gone, I went back and watched the previous episode again. And, uh, you know, that scene where she's just like, oh, you know, tell Liz to go on your lunch break or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, there's, I feel like there's a reason that they had that happen. So, I don't know. I'm still holding on to somehow DD is in on all this stuff. Well, oh, the, the, the fact that the CLEP killed like 5 million people in less than two weeks. Yeah, because they were afraid of the contagion. So, right, right. Okay. So, um, so yeah, people in China think the zero COVID policy is bad, man. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, the point is, like, you know, we are, when we first saw Lev, he seemed like kind of this genteel, kind of funny dude and everything. And we thought he was kind of like the good guy, the re- the rebel. It turns out he's just like this kind of pompous, probably spoiled rich kid who is has no conscience and uh, is the head of a of a crime organization that will kill people for no reason at all, or for well, like, I mean, I guess they had a reason, but you know, it seems like a bit excessive. Um, and, and, and in that, they mention uh, in that post credit scene the Putin diaspora. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did hear that, which was pretty wild. You know, like don't be an a hole to your designated driver, Dave. Good point. That's. That's bad etiquette, and you know we see what what happens with you know breaches of etiquette here. So, all right, well, let's get to listener feedback, and you know maybe Joe and Fred can shed some light on what the hell we just watched. But uh, Joe from Cincinnati checked in via email. That was disappointing. My wife and I enjoyed the early episodes, but the story grew more convoluted as the season went on. I'm not sure either of us understands fully what happened at the end and the way things happened. I'm not sure how much I care. This episode had another unnecessary distraction. Recent episodes had too much time on the assassin Bob's life and the tower fighting exercise, which had no reason or payoff. Why in the finale do we have a second character Jasper decide to not only stand up for himself, which is okay by changing their personality dramatically and killing people. Yeah. Right. Like I said, man, I agree. I don't care about Pickett's thugs. This just added to the messiness of the finale. I guess the finale was mostly set up for season two, but it was frustrating how it was put together. And apparently there's a credits scene that we missed. I tried to skim through the credits to see if there was one, but the app froze and I had to exit. So we'll have to go back for that. Yeah, I I agree with everything Joe says, except I wasn't disappointed. I, I guess I I did like it. I, I certainly agree that it's a setup for season two and beyond. So I guess we will see. Yeah, um, 
I, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't say I was disappointed at all. I, I like the episode a lot. Um, I don't mind the uncertainty. You know, there's just there's. I mean, we obviously have a lot of questions as to what's going on and how it happened. So I just assume that these things are you know going to be answered in season two, which means I really really hope we we get a season two in order to get the answers as to what the heck is happening and and you know how what what basically what's going on i'm comfortable with not knowing at this point well yeah and, and obviously we fundamentally disagree about the nature of the stubs and if you want to check in with our toll-free lines 1-800 dave's right or 1-888 wayne's right yeah. so go ahead and let us know uh, all right well, let's hear what fred's got for us this weekend we'll be right back Hello Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for The Fairy Feral, Season 1, Episode 8, The Season 1 Finale. Let's start with what am I watching? Well, of course, still Warrior Nun, third season, almost finished. And of course, this peripheral now is finished with this episode and from next week on 1899 and His Dark Materials which will have its third and final season from next week onwards. A very nice series. And I'm contributing to a podcast there called The Alitheometer with Chip and Sarah. And we just did a pre-season 3 roundtable, which was very nice. And it's of course a nice idea, because when you then hear other feedback givers on the podcast, you just saw them. We had a nice Zoom session and it was all recorded. I want to give a special shout out to Brian, aka the Zeppelin driver, who is also a contributor there and who also listens to this podcast. Actually, he warned me about this episode and asked if I already had seen it. And I hadn't seen it at that moment, but he said it's really crazy. Well, that it was. Okay, first off, coming back to last week's podcast, Wayne was very enthusiastic about Andor, the Star Wars series. Well, I was not so charmed by it, and I gave it a C plus, Wayne. It's clear that Andor is quite different, and perhaps that's the very good thing in the Star Wars universe, to have something with another kind of tone, other kind of setting, other way of pacing... And that's perhaps my problem. It doesn't feel Star Wars enough for me. But perhaps I'm then too much on the spectrum. They did it very good in the sense of adapting it or connecting it, would be a better word, to Rogue One. Because Rogue One has something of the tone of this, but it also has something of the tone of the other major Star Wars movies. Another thing you said last week is that you didn't trust Didi because she asked Reese to send out her assistant. But I think that is just from a narrative standpoint. Because if the assistant would be there, then this whole interaction between Bob, Ella and Didi couldn't take place. Because she would have heard stuff and informed the police. So then this whole setting wouldn't be like it played out now. Okay, let's go into the finale. Great episode. I want to give it an A+, but perhaps I will grade it down to A, and that's mainly because of the acting of the actor that plays Wilf. Okay, there we go. 
I will uh, stop for a while. It's like being in a stop. You exactly know what time it is here. I think Gary Carr, who plays Wolf, is overacting a little bit. It is especially noticeable in the scene just before he connects to Flynn that they feel each other's reactions to certain other characters. It is a bit overacted. And the same is true when he meets up with Alita on that open grass field. Talking about that scene, in that scene you see young Alita together with adult Alita and we were always very enthusiastic about the typecasting in Dark between child versions of a character and the adult. Well, I think they did a very good job here as well. And then there were a few nitpicks. One of them was Jasper putting his car on the railroad track but leaving his headlights on. Which makes the chances higher that the train still could stop in time seeing those lights. Another nitpick was a little bit that the train didn't got, well, perhaps damaged, but just went on. Didn't derail or anything, and I think it was a quite huge SUV. But that is probably all for narrative and visual effects. The next nitpick was when Toby was waiting for Flynn and talked to her. All his wounds were gone. And another one was when Alita asked the younger peripheral Anita to dug up a skull that was not buried very deeply in the ground. Also very weird. When Flint talks to Ash, she is accusing her of it's all our game to you. Well, what did Flint do before all this? She was a major gamer. But that proves to come in handy. My comprehension of this episode was much better than some of the previous ones after watching one time. Although from the moment Flynn got killed by Connor, well, is she killed is the question, we only hear a shot. Perhaps somebody killed Connor and not Flynn is killed. The series of flashbacks that she has with Counting Down was very nice by the way. But from that point onward I get a little multi-universe confused. If the time where Flynn, Bert and Connor are living is actually a stub because that silo got blown up just by Cherise putting something back in their past, it's not the original timeline, let's say. It's a timeline with influences from the future. So are we all the time watching a stub? But how can it be a stub if it's the timeline from where Flynn travels for the very first time to the future? And if she dies in this timeline, will that timeline be destroyed? And will she go back to the original timeline or a new stub? And if she is in a new stub, how does she get to the future, to Lobeer again? Uh, I don't get it, but perhaps I should just should let it go. Final remark is on the post-credits scene with Lev Subov and some mob-clamped big shots. Is that just an extra scene with something from the past? Or is this a scene from the first episode of the second season? Okay, thank you very much for this ride, Dave and Wayne. It was a very nice series to watch. And a little challenging to understand it all. But if it's not too much, it's okay. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Are you still watching his dark materials? Well, I mean, not currently. Cause, it, but, but you're yeah. caught up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, see, I watched season one and I liked it, but I guess I didn't like it enough to 
move on to season two, and I guess they just finished season three, right? If I'm not mistaken, or did they fit? I don't know. Or I, I don't think it started yet. Oh, okay, finished, but, but there is because I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't seen it. So I, I think from what Fred was saying that it's going to start in a couple days, couple weeks. I can't remember what he said. Okay, now uh, Fred, and this kind of addresses a concern that you had. I, I, I agree about the the thing with Dee Dee and her assistant. That you know, as Fred says, he thinks she just sent her out from a narrative perspective so that you know it's a messy scene as it is we don't need her there mucking up the works and okay fine whatever um i mean obviously you you have a compelling possibility admittedly as you said you don't think it's probably going to come to fruition but i i I tend to agree with fred it was just i feel it's it's weak but i'm not afraid to throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks yeah now you mentioned about locking the keys in the car fred brings up the fact that jasper left the lights on when he was parking on the railroad tracks and as fred points out well doesn't that alert the train that maybe it needs to start slowing down but you know (laughs) or maybe should it stop should you not stop the train yeah after you just plowed through a car like should that not happen well you know and and it's funny because i don't know how fast a train is going so i don't know if 80 miles an hour at this point 90 miles you know i don't know how fast they're going but he kind of parked it at an angle so whether or not it can see the headlights you know now maybe you could say well it can see it from the side okay whatever but going from that distance going at that speed the train probably assumes it's just a car crossing the tracks and it's going to be out of my way now granted you could say well but it doesn't see the lights moving whatever you know so uh, well i mean if we were really a nitpick like i know whenever trains cross over a road they have to slow way down. yeah i agree like, I know. no way a train would be plowing through uh, a crossing like that right so, and i've got but again yeah. these are things we take on faith like narrative like obviously there's a lot of problems again like if freaking train blasts into a car is more than likely going to stop and not just keep on trucking like a like there's not a lot of hit and run accidents with trains no as well all right, Fred, thank you. Joe, thank you. Um, now, Fred gives this one an A. In fact, he considered A+. Plus. I don't know that I considered A+, plus, but I'm definitely going with an A. What about you? I think i got to give it an A-, minus, just because there is that. I just feel like the stuff at the end, they just threw a bunch of stuff out there. And they didn't even bother to really like. Here, here's here's actually my problem. It's because they had to reveal like her plan through all through dialogue, you know, almost entirely through dialogue. And I just still, as you know, I'm not always the craziest about that. I like I I like it when directors let things happen and they tell things visually and not spell things out for us. I think they kind of spelled things out. Obviously, not enough because there's still like a lot of confusion as to how these things happen. But just them saying, oh, I'm going to reboot, and then she reboots. I just, I don't know. So I'm going to give it the A-. Okay. Fair enough. So, All right. I'm definitely a fun ride. I mean, this is the kind of show we love to do. I mean, it's really, it's as close to an intellectual challenge as we've had since dark 
unless I'm right. forgetting something. Um, you know, I mean, Brave New World was really cool, but you know, just in terms of trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Right. Um, yeah, we haven't really seen a, a show recently that has been a big "What's Going On" type show. Yep. Outside Westworld, but we didn't uh, cover. Westworld. Right. Right. But we may be getting that kind of show starting next week with uh, 1899. Well, I, I'm would say we undoubtedly are going to get a show like okay that. and as i said i've seen the first episode that's all i've seen i'm gonna you know i'm gonna stick with you for now uh, you know unless the urge overcomes me to move forward but when we discuss the first episode of 1899 next week presumably we will both only have seen the first episode uh yeah it's pretty strange at this point and you know i'll just leave it at that so okay i'm looking forward to it yeah so this is cool. This is, um, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, Peripheral. Um, it's one of those shows I would watch it three times, you know, uh, every week. So and there's not a lot of shows that I uh, would have the patience to to do that for. And, um, you know, it's just really cool to just, to, like we said, I mean, we just spent, I don't even know how long, uh, trying to uh, parse out uh, the nature of time in the Peripheral and, I think that's that's kind of cool and something like that. That's that's uh, that's that's why we do this, Dave. That's that's why we accept the meager remuneration to uh, to speak our minds once a week. All right. Well, it's a good place to stop. We will thank you for joining us on this latest episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at Gmail dot com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about the series premiere of the Netflix series 1899. But until then. You know, the Ravens game yesterday, Dave, was not great, admittedly. But, you know, when, you know Tyler Hundley went out for that last drive. You, know, you just imagine someone saying, hey, Tyler, where are you going? And he's just like, I'm going to win. <laughs>